This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Please turn with me to the book of Genesis. I started a conversation with you last week called In the Beginning. And we looked at the days of creation and we walked through a journey together over the seven days. And I pulled out practical points that I hope maybe some of those touched your heart and maybe of those actually really challenged your mind as much as anything. And you looked at those and understood Uh, just some practicality that was established in the very beginning. That in the very beginning, there was nothing but God. Amen? Uh, Before he created, before he spoke the world into existence, there was nothing, right? Uh, In the beginning, uh, the Word was, was with God, the Word was God. All things were created by the Word, through the Word, for the Word. He was in the beginning. We walked through that. And then at the end of our service last week, We looked at the idea that everything God spoke came into existence, right? He created light by saying, let there be light. And then when he created light, he stepped back and he said, man, that's good. He created the dry ground and the dry ground come up and broke up the the ocean. And I talked about the boundaries, but he spoke and said, let dry ground appear and let plants and trees, fruit and seed bearing plants and fruit, which was a very important thought. He said, let them come up and they came up and he said, man, that's good. Right. And so we concluded our time together last week with the concept of uh, speaking into existence and understanding that what God has done in our life is good. We get so beat up by the chatterbox is what I've called it. I've termed it from another minister, a book that he wrote called Crash the Chatterbox uh, by Pastor Stephen Furtick. But uh, the chatterbox that constantly rings in our mind, that mental note that tells us, hey, you're not good enough, you're failing, you're, you're going to fail, you should be afraid, you should be full of fear. Whatever it is that's constantly going on in our mind, we determined last week that we're going to speak what we need this year into existence and we're going to determine that it's good, right? Today I want us to look, and I had planned to move on out of this concept just a little bit and move on because I told you that I'm going to try to preach through the Bible as far as we go until the Lord tells me different and I thought hey we'll jump we'll skip 15 20 chapters and move on but it didn't happen today so we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2 I want to begin reading this in verse 4 I'm reading out of the New Living Translation it should be on the screen Uh, brother Carter does a fantastic job amen we love you Carter That whole team back there is doing an awesome job. We have people that are watching our services all over that you don't know and I don't know. I find out random people all the time. They say, man, you preached a good sermon. I said, what are you talking about? It's just crazy. But those guys make that possible, and I'm thankful for that. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. This is the account of the creation of the the heavens and the earth. And then it moves on. It says, when the Lord God made earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains 
were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not sent yet rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord, formed, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed his breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. If you ever get cocky, and you ever feel like you are somebody, you need to remember you're nothing but dirt. I'm just saying, you're nothing but dirt. When you breathe your last breath, somebody is going to, unless you're, you're cremated and your ashes are spread over the dirt, somebody's going to declare your body back to the ground, they're going to commit you back to the ground, and you're going to turn back into dirt. Right? Don't forget your dirt. That's not even a thought for the sermon. I just read scripture and jump, jump straight out, jumps out at me. Verse 8 says, Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and he, in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. We talked about that last week. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to jump to verse 15. There's the rivers that were there, and that really has nothing to do with where we're headed today, and they're really hard to pronounce, so I'm just going to skip them if that's okay with you. I'm just being real. Verse 15 says, The Lord placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat this fruit, you are sure to die. And then jump with me, please, to verse 25. We just completely skip the creation of woman. But it says, Now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. That's an important statement. It's also important to understand the purpose of man in the first place. When God created Adam, verse 15 tells us that the Lord placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Prior to man being in the garden, the trees were sprouting up on their own, water come up from the bottom of the earth, and there was no cultivation whatsoever, right? Man had a purpose. Adam had a purpose being in the garden. You and I have a purpose being planted on this earth. We are to cultivate, we're to turn over the soil, we to are some way, somehow, some, some fashion try to produce something out of what God has placed us in the middle of. I've been on this thought, I'm teaching a, a session this Saturday on transitioning in ministry. I'm not transitioning in ministry, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. It's about my previous transitions in ministry and helping people through my personal testimony make that transition. One thought that's been on my mind as I've walked through that is bloom where you're planted. You could be floating around in the middle of nowhere. I've got a saltwater fish tank at home and... I have little random starfish that I don't know how they really got there. They're just there. And the other night, I changed all the water in the tank, and I dropped it way down. There's a little starfish floating, and he was stuck on the glass. I promise I'm going somewhere. Hang with me. He was there hanging out in his place. He was happy. He was stuck to the side. He was content. And when that water level dropped, I touched him, and he floated off and drifted. There was a place that he was planted shook him and move him he was in his rightful place he was in home right 
God has placed us where he has placed us. It doesn't mean that we're not moving. I'm placed right here in this pulpit for, the pulpit for this moment. I'm here for this season. I have no clue what six months or a year holds. It, my vision could be totally shifted. But for this moment, I'm planted, right? You're planted. And there was a purpose for Adam being placed in the garden. It was to tend God's creation. And that's important to understand because God had established order. He had given man a purpose. He had established the peace. And then trouble comes. It's also important, though, and it's going to get a little finicky here for a minute. I think the only kids are mine, and they're all right. Uh, but God clearly said, after he created Adam and Eve, it says, Then man and woman were both naked and not ashamed. Right? Do you understand in order to walk around freely naked, there has to be no shame, there has to be no distrust, there has to be complete peace, there has to be complete harmony, right? We agree? It's important to understand that they walked around naked and felt no shame. The Hebrew word for naked here is arom. It's spelled A-R-O-M, arom. It literally means that they were, they were naked. They were without anything. But there's a, a catch to this, and I'm going to play on these words just a little bit. There was an innocence to this. You can't walk around naked if there's not innocence. Right? After the fall, in just a moment, hang with me. After the fall... Man and woman would not walk around naked again, unashamed, until they were in the bond of marriage under the spiritual unity of God. Right? That's important. A little testy. I know a little, little bit on edge this morning. They walked around with no shame. Because of sin, they become shameful. And the only way that they would come back to a place that they could walk around without shame again... And it takes time, be honest, is when man and woman are joined in marriage under the union of God, right? We go to chapter 3, verse 1, and I want to walk through this just a little bit. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. The word shrewdest there, or the most cunning, the original word, the original Hebrew word for that is Arom. I just told you that they were naked and not ashamed. Naked being Arom. A-R-O-M. And now the shrewdest of the animals, shrewd, the shrewdest would be Arom, E-R-O-M. Kind of like butt and butt. Right? They sound the same. Two different complete meanings. I thought about the snake. Serpent literally means a snake, so we know Satan was there in the form of a snake. I hate snakes with a passion. I don't know what Eve's problem was. If you like snakes, I don't know what your problem is. I don't know what her problem was, but obviously she had a thing for the snake. And the New Living Translation says 
that he was the, the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God made. And it says, one day he asked the woman. That one day is not in all translations, but I like that the New Living Translation put it there because I believe that he didn't just show up and say, hey, I'm Satan in the form of a snake, and you have been challenged not to eat this tree. That had thrown up every red flag under the sun for Eve, right? Even though she liked snakes, that still would have thrown up a red flag. But it said one day, he looked at her and he said, Hey, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit from any of these trees in the garden? And I see the one day as an importance because I feel like somehow, some way, some shape or form, and I don't know, I've seen too many movies and too many kids' Bible laps and Bible story books, but I see Eve walking the garden and the snake just be there hanging out with her, and she built a relationship with the snake, not even realizing that it was the snake that was going to kill her. I understand how sin works. I understand how Satan wants to come and do nothing more. John tells us that, that he came to, to the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, my purpose is to come and give a rich and satisfying life, that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. I understand that, that Satan's whole purpose in all of creation, once he fell from heaven, his purpose from that point was to steal, kill, and destroy anything good of God's. Eve had a purpose. She was put in the garden to tend and to cultivate the land. And Satan wanted nothing more than to, than to steal the purpose, the heart, the drive. What she was created for was stolen from her. And it wasn't in a, in a one day's moment. I don't believe that. I read the New King James earlier, and it says that the, the serpent was the most cunning of all wild animals. And, it, he, and now he said to her, I don't believe it was now. I don't believe he just showed up. I believe she built a relationship with the one that destroyed her. I believe it was one day while they're in general conversation. I don't want a conversation with a snake. But I believe it was one day they're in general conversation. They've wandered this journey how many days in a row walking, taking their nice stroll through the cool, brisk morning air. And he says, hey, I got a question for you. I've been thinking about this. Did God really say that you couldn't eat the fruit of any of those trees? No, of course he didn't say that. Snake, what's your problem? Quit being a snake, snake. She said, of course we can eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will, what? Die. He says, nah. Surely you won't die. He says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows your eyes will be open, and as soon as you eat it, you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. Family, I'm going to be very honest with you. There's not much sin that I've ever had in my life that did not give instant gratification. Right? It feels good. It tastes good. In the moment, sin gives instant gratification. And he said, no, you're not going to die. As a matter of fact, you'll get to know what God knows. You'll get to, to see the good and the evil. You'll get to have the knowledge of God. Which was really no lie. Right? 
When, when they ate the fruit, they realized they're naked. Instantly, they're ashamed. All the innocence, all the peace, all the trust is now out the window, and they got a problem. But he says, no, you're not, not going to die, which was a lie straight from the mouth of Satan because they died. They're not here today to tell about it, are they? It was not an instant death, though. Sin did not provide an instant death for Adam and Eve. They didn't get into the sin and the disobedience instantaneously, and it did not take their life in an instant. There was some truth to what Satan told. They didn't die. If you tell me, if you touch that speaker, it's going to electrocute you and it's going to kill you, I'm not going to touch that speaker, Right? If you tell me not to go eat an apple because the apple's going to kill you, I'm going to be terrified for my life. I don't even want to touch the apple because I believe instantaneous, just like a snake bite, it would take over my life and it'd kill me, right? So he's twisted their perception. He's twisted their vision of death in the moment. Because he said, no, you're, you're not going to die. Actually, what's going to happen is you'll now have the knowledge of God. You'll see and you'll know what God knows. That was some truth. What he didn't tell them was, is after the instant gratification, you're going to die. It was 100% truth in what God told. If you eat of that, if you even touch that, you're going to die. To them, they saw an instantaneous death. Oh, if I touch it, boom, I fall over, I'm dead. Satan proved to them it didn't work quite like that. He changed their perception enough. God didn't want them close to the tree. It's a whole garden. Beautiful rivers flowing, the purest gold that ever existed. Why do they need to even go to the... Why, why, why even show up to these two trees? You got everything you ever wanted. Walk around naked in peace. For God's sake. But it wasn't enough. This is going to be fun when it hits the live stream. Just kidding. I have no shame. I thought about what Eve heard. Because... She was told, no, you won't die. God knows your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. But the initial statement, did God really say you couldn't eat of any fruit in the garden? Micah says occasionally I'm extreme, especially in my frustration. And I really challenge myself, and I hope that she would testify. If not, she can be quiet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I believe wholeheartedly that I've done better at this. If we're not careful, especially in relationships, I'm going to speak of the husband and wife relationship because that's the one that I would see it more so frequently. If you're not careful, when your husband didn't take out the trash this morning, you would say he never takes out the trash. True statement or false statement? Husbands, if that's true, 
you should have been in this altar earlier. <laughs> Husbands were quick to say, she never understands or never wants to know really how I feel. Is that a true statement or a false statement? Truly, you've taken out the trash men once in your lifetime, right? Truly, wives, I'm sorry, husbands, at some point in time, it may have been on day one or day negative one before you got married, they cared about how you felt. It might not have happened a day since then, but they did care. So to say they never is a lie. To say that you're never going to be good enough is ridiculous. To say that you've never accomplished anything is crazy. To say that your kids are always messing up is insane. That's a lie. Sure, maybe you're frustrated out the wazoo and you want to throw them out the window. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> but my children do beautiful things. They're so much smarter than I ever can dream to be, which is very scary. <laughs> but to say that they do no good is a lie. For me to ever say for a moment that that woman doesn't serve me is a lie. In my instant moment where I need something and I think that I should snap my fingers and have what I want, maybe it don't happen in that moment, which it does most of the time, I'm just saying. But if I ever said for a moment that she never did anything for me, that's a lie straight from hell. But those are the lies that really twist and change our perception. Those are the lies that the snake puts in the back of your mind to create division between you and everybody around you. You're not important. You've never been important. I had a conversation with somebody this week and we were talking about, please hear me in humility, okay? If you ever have a, a minister stand before you, anybody give a presentation, and they do a good job, it feels great to, to hear you did a good job. But I learned a long time ago, I don't need your accolades. I don't need you to attaboy me. I love it. And in my flesh, sure, I might need it. But if I went on your good jobs, I'd have quit a long time ago. Just being honest, you would have too. You're underappreciated, you're undervalued in your home, at the job, wherever it is you're at. You're not a, it's, it's just the fact of life. But that doesn't mean you've never done anything good. And Satan planted the thought, and she trusts him. She's in a relationship with a snake, and he has gained her trust enough. That he says, did God really say that you can't have any fruit in this garden? No. That's a lie. But that instant point of doubt changed her whole perception of, I have everything I could ever need. 
to, you know what, there's one thing I want I can't have. Isn't that the way that destruction goes on our life? Isn't that typically how separation takes place in relationships? One thing grabs the attention. And now all the good is forgotten because of the one bad or the one thing that's not attainable anymore. So she tries to respond, no, that's not what he said. He said I could have anything I wanted but those two trees. And then she realized that there was two trees that she couldn't touch. Satan will do what he can to twist the truth and play our mind to make us forget the goodness of God and focus on the bad. He used immediate truth. It was not a lie to say they wouldn't die. They did not die immediately. He used an immediate truth to cause eternal damage. There was an instant gratification that they wanted. Eve said, I need this. He said, well, go eat it. It's not going to kill you in the moment. But he didn't tell her in the moment. It's not going to kill you. The instant truth of that caused eternal damage that you and I are dealing with. Amen? You awake? Well, that's where my notes end, so now we're just rolling on with the Lord, okay? She ate from the tree, and then she shows up to give Adam a bite. Thanks, Eve. Hadn't have been for you, man would have still been hanging out in the garden without you. Which would not have been okay. And verse 8 says, in the cool evening breezes. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. The Lord called man, where are you? Don't you think he knew where they were? I got a note in my Bible so I don't ever forget that moment. He knew where they were. Never a question about where they were. God knows where we're at when we're in our deepest, darkest moments. But sometimes we have to come to the realization of where we are. There was never a question. looking a word he says Adam said I heard you walking in the garden so I hid I was afraid because I was naked and there we are back to naked again that word naked you want to know what it is a room but this one is now spelled A-R-U-M. We have three different words. We have Arom, A-R-O-M, Arom, E-R-O-M, and now Arom, A-R-U-M. 
the purity and the nakedness that took place in creation. There was nothing but peace in it. Because of the shrewdness of Satan now has created this shameful nakedness. The only way it all comes back together, you know it costs them everything, right? When God kind of flipped out for a moment and said, lady, from now on it's going to be terrible for you to bear children. Men, uh, you have to work like a dog to get anything from the ground. And this is going to be the case forever, but not only that. You were placed in the garden to tend it and to cultivate it. And because of what's happened, you're now out of the garden. That's the worst part to me. Sure, I don't want to get out there and turn over the ground and deal with the briars. I hated to see my lovely darling during the pain of childbirth. But what really stinks is they no longer got to fulfill their purpose. If I can have anything in life, it is to fulfill my purpose. I love my family. I love raising my kids. I love loving on people most of the time. But all that is wrapped up in my purpose. And we all long for what it is we were created for. We all feel the emptiness. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Of not fulfilling the purpose. Right? Where we were once naked. A room. Walking around. The doggone snake that needed to have his head stomped through the ground. Wanted to be a room and cause us all these problems. And now here we stand, a room, naked, busted up, messed up, broken down, not fulfilling the purpose. Salvation is seen in the very beginning. Because the only way now we get to fulfill our purpose is to be clothed and put back on the garment of praise. The only way now we get to walk around without shame is to be married with Jesus, to be the church brought back together in the marriage with Christ. Now we get to walk around unashamed again, and that's the only way we get allowed back into the garden to fulfill our purpose. But it all started with the relationship with a snake dumb snake it was an instant really stinks lose everything else but to lose your purpose That's all Satan wants to take from you is your purpose. For Adam and Eve, it was planting the thought of you really can't have anything you want, you know. It planted the seed of discontentment. For many of us, It's no different 
It's just a different apple. What it is we're chasing is no different. It's just a different apple. And it's our purpose that's on the line. Rebecca, would you come play something soft for me, please? Sometimes I struggle when I'm praying and preparing because I look out at you beautiful people and I see some wonderful saints of God that in my mind I want to think are absolutely perfect and you do no wrong. And it makes it difficult to preach against sin, although that's what we should be preaching about is the truth of God, the grace of God, don't sin. Sin will kill you, it will send you to hell, it removes you from your purpose. But I couldn't get away from the thought today. I really wanted to move on. And had to backtrack. 2.30 this morning. Backpedal, buddy, we're not there yet. I don't know what relationship you're walking in. What it is that's about to bite your hand. What it is that you're allowing to play games with your mind. But whatever it is, you better cut its head off. Satan didn't show up to Eve with some fiery eyes and horns and a little tail and a pitchfork. She wasn't afraid of the snake. I hate snakes. I think if I lived in the garden, I probably wouldn't have. It's another animal that I've been given dominion over. I told you that last week. There's no reason I should have an issue with the snake. Whatever it is, you better pray that God gives you the wisdom and the understanding to, to see that it's feeding your head full of junk. Discontentment will be what causes our fall. Adam and Eve sinned. They, they, were, they disobeyed. It was disobedience. They didn't go eat an apple. They touched the thing that was sacred to God. The thing God tried to protect them from. And it cost them their destiny. It cost them their purpose. Look at the outcome. I wasn't even planning on headed this direction. So Eve has Cain and Abel. The third and fourth person born on the face of this earth have so much strife and division that one kills the other. What is our disobedience going to cause in our offspring? Because what one generation does in moderation, the next one's going to do in excess. Lord, have mercy. We have a really, really hard time getting my generation to come to church. It is a challenge in the church world. How do we get millennials to show back up to church? And it's because the generation before us thought it was okay
to not be there in moderation. Grandma and Grandpa didn't miss church. Right? And I get it. You drug around enough, you think, well, I got my own freedom, I ain't going to go to church. But what happened in moderation, now we see in excess, and we're struggling as the body of Christ, as ministers, as believers, just trying to get people saved. We're now struggling with that excess of absence in church. We're struggling to get them into the house, to get them plugged into the Word of God. Because what one generation did in moderation, the next one has done in excess. Adam and Eve's direct descendants, the first people they brought into the earth, had division, and one kills the other. You better watch them snakes. We went to a judgment house one time. We went to a judgment house one time. If you don't know what that is, it's a, a walk-through type of drama put on by a church, and you walk through a a scene that's telling a storyline, and you see maybe a car crash, and you see different individuals that were involved, and and you walk from that car crash, you walk into hell, and you see individuals, actually the judgment first, you see individuals there of the car crash, and some individuals stood before God, and, and he said, you know, I never knew you. You're cast away from me, and they're cast into hell, and then there was some, you, you enter into the gates of thanksgiving, you can enter into to my kingdom, and then you walk through this drama, and you walk through hell. It's a great haunted house alternative. Especially if they're done really well. Hell's a pretty scary place. It's just darkness for the most part. Loud. But one of the, the best ones I ever walked into. Satan, the character of Satan, looked me in the eye and he stood there in a black suit with a necktie and looked just like I do. I've never forgotten the guy works at J&J &J Wholesale Plumbing and Dunn. He is not Satan during the week, but around Halloween, he's liable to be Satan. Fantastic guy, but I've never forgotten that. I've been in so many of those, and that one stood out to me so well because he, he stood there. and his, I mean, just well put together. Hair combed over real nice, beautiful, bright red tie. And I thought, oh, my Lord. We're not careful. We're looking for Satan to be obvious. I know how to stay away from dangerous situations most of the time. Right? If a building's on fire, unless Mr. Sean's taking me in with my fold-up, geared-up equipment that he's going to let me have to walk into that fire prepared, I'm not getting close to the building that's on fire, right? If I see a dude standing there ready to hurt somebody, I'm not typically going to go walk up, Hey, buddy, how you doing, man? I know to stay away from the danger. But Eve was walking in relationship with a snake. And one day in general conversation, he said, i got to ask you this question. Did God really say 
You couldn't eat any of this fruit. We better check our relationships. We better check the people that are pouring into us. Well, I don't have any other friends. Well, God's going to provide you some new friends. I believe it. If not, you got a friend in Jesus. Amen? As old Woody said, you got a friend in me. It wasn't an instantaneous fall, though. All those lies that have built up in our minds. She never does this. He never does that. I've never done, I've not accomplished anything in 2019 that was worthwhile. That's a lie. It's a lie. I told you Wednesday night, if you ever have a thought that tells you you're not saved, it's a lie straight from hell. You're saved by faith. Right? We used an illustration of an airplane. If you've ever gotten on an airplane, when you walk through the door, you might have seen the cockpit, but once you sat down, they locked that door, and you were not getting through it. Right? And you sat in the back of a Coke can and let somebody carry you across the land ever how many miles an hour away up in the air hoping you got to your destination and you got more faith in the airplane pilot than you do in God to carry us through life a boat in 737 went down in the Ukraine the other day and they had more faith that they were going to make it where they were going than we have knowing that God is the author of salvation and that he's control of every situation look at who failed God has yet to fill me. Don't let your purpose be robbed from you. We're living for a purpose. You have been planted where you are. I believe just like Adam was put in the garden to cultivate and to tend that garden. You've been planted in your family. You've been planted on your workplace. You've been planted in this church to cultivate something, to tend something. It's not going to grow without you. But don't let the serpent put a lie in your head that robs you because of instant satisfaction and instant gratification and it causes you eternal damage so you can't fulfill the purpose. Father, God, we've heard your word today. Father, I believe that there are relationships that are in this house God, that are very similar to the relationship that Eve had with the serpent. God, I believe that if it it wasn't so and this message didn't need to be preached, Father, you would have let me move on and we would have rolled on to the next journey. God, but you halted us right here to look at the fall of man. To realize that it wasn't instant. It wasn't something that blindsided them. It was a relationship that cultivated into a conversation. And it was a lie that put thoughts in in her head. And because she put thoughts, and the, the thoughts were in her head, she acted on them. She no longer saw the good. She missed out on the rest of the garden. And all she saw what was, was out of reach from her. Father, give us contentment. Let us realize that what it is you've put in our life is there for a reason. 
Lord, allow us to be satisfied with what it is that, that you put in our garden, what it is that you put around us. Lord, we better break off the relationships in Jesus' name of those that are trying to feed us full of lies, those that are trying to fill our head full of junk to make us realize we're not good enough, our family's not good enough, our spouse isn't good enough, our job isn't good enough, this church isn't good enough. They're straight lies from the devil. And we bind those lies in our mind, but we also sever the head of the relationship that's feeding us. God, let us remain in our purpose. Let us recognize today that the only way that we make it back to your grace is the only way we get to walk around at Rome is because of your son Jesus. You wanted connection. You wanted to give us salvation bad enough. Your love for us was so great as the good father that you are, Lord, that you sent your son to die on a cross that now we could come back into our purpose. We could come back into the peace and the grace of the garden. Father, if there's here, one here today that don't know you, that don't know your son and have a relationship with him, Father, I pray that their heart's been changed today. God, I pray that you would convict their hearts. Father, just love on them. Let them know that they need you. That just like Adam and Eve were cast out of that garden, they've been cast out because of the disobedience in our life, the sin in our life, and the way back into our purpose, the way back into our destiny according to your will, is that we come to have a relationship with you. Our eyes are closed and nobody's looking around. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you know that you've been disconnected from your purpose, you feel empty, you need the redeeming, saving grace of God. If that's you today, would you just slip up your hand? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Just slip it up and put it down. Family, I want to ask that you pray this prayer with me. Repeat after me. Jesus... I'm a sinner, and I recognize I need a Savior. I recognize there's sin in my life. I recognize I'm disconnected from my created purpose. And I want to be close to you. I ask you forgive me for my sins. Be Lord of my life as I give you my life. I'll live for you in the coming days. In Jesus' name, amen.